Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is One Day at a Time, 1 Kings 18, 1. And to start off, I'm going to start off with a story. I remember when I was in high school, I was a senior in high school, and I was driving my car. (laughs) Hope you don't have this happen, Linnell. I was driving my car to swim practice one morning. It was early in the morning. We had practice before school and after school. It's pitch black. It's winter time. We already got up up and did chores, already took care of the cows. Then I had to, you know, jump in the car and, and head out to swim practice. Pitch black, freezing, icy cold. Uh, I had a, a Volkswagen, a, a Volkswagen Super Beetle. All right, anybody ever have a VW? Uh, Super Beetle? Any Super? Oh, you're gonna enjoy it today. All right, you're gonna enjoy it today. Uh, but uh, the road was covered with a layer of snow and ice. It always was. They, the roads where I grew up were never cleared. There was always an inch or two on the road. Uh, they just would snow plow over that, and it just got thicker and thicker. And uh, my little VW had very little heat. You know what I'm talking about? Those who had the, no heat, you know, very little heat. Uh, it would take about an hour to start coming out. So I had an ice scraper inside the car and I would scrape the inside of the windshield as I drove, you know, because I already, you know, because you couldn't see out of the window. And there was a, a layer of ice on the floor too. Now, if you're down in Florida or something, it's no big deal. But having this kind of car is a problem where I grew up. There was about an inch or two of ice on the floor of the car because once you'd get in with your boots and that stuff, it would just keep layering. It would never melt until the spring. All right. That's what it was like it was crazy and the engine in the Volkswagen is in the back of the car right and which means that it was different on snow and ice I'm very good driving on ice and snow but but the Volkswagen was really tricky it was great for going in the school parking lot and doing donuts I'd go into the parking lot just start zoning and then do we do donuts until the custodians would come out and chase us off you know there's that Wilson kid again you know they would chase us off and uh but but it was very bad for driving and this particular morning I was driving and I must have hit a, a especially icy patch and there was nothing I could do. I was going slow. I was going about 30 miles an hour. You had to. It was so bad. And I, I hit this patch and all of a sudden the car just went whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. Just like in the school parking lot. Well, I didn't want to do it this time. And it ended up flying backward into a ditch. It was a very steep ditch. Um, it was almost like a, a, a crick creek a crick and uh and i was backward i ended up backward in this water you could see the water was up to the back doors and i my brother and i we climbed out and i went up to the the door of the closest house everybody knew me you know i was knocking at somebody's door if you were here last week you know what i'm talking about always knocking at somebody's door it was great uh pastoral training you know witnessing training door to door you know it was great training i was always knocking at somebody's door i called my dad uh, it was about a mile away. He drove the tractor down, pulled me out, and as he pulled the car out, the water was just gushing out of the back, you know. And I was like, "Oh no, my engine!" It was in the water, but the water was coming out the tailpipes and everything. But it started. I started up, drove on to practice. Coach was like, "Where have you been?" I go, "I've been swimming in cold water," you know. So, uh, but but there's no worse feeling than getting stuck, right? It's horrible, whether it's you know how whatever. It just, especially though, when we feel like we're stuck in life. Have you ever felt that way? Nobody here now, but have you ever felt that way? You were stuck in your life? We're going to see that many times what we see as being stuck in our life is really God preparing us for, for something or someplace else. 
And in the meantime, and this is important, and in the meantime, during the stuck time, God has a purpose. He wants us to make an impact right where we are. He has a purpose for it. And we're going to see from Elijah's life today, we're going to see that our focus in these stuck times is that our focus has to be on one day at a time. One day at a time. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship. We know they had to battle through a lot of uh, obstacles today to bring this worship to us. We're thankful for them and we're thankful for the worship because so many of us had to battle through obstacles to even get here emotionally and spiritually and physically. But Lord, we just pray now that your word would, would, the spirit would just really move through your word and touch our hearts. We pray for your mercy and grace for this to happen through your spirit's power. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so speaking of getting stuck, I originally planned to do verses 1 through 15. <laughs> I got stuck on one verse, so I, we're going to just do ver the verse 1. You have to come next week to get the rest of it. But there's a lot here. I couldn't get past it. First uh, Kings 18.1, After a long time in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. So, I want to use the King James Version. This is the NIV version, which we usually use. And all the versions are very good. Any translation is very good. But the King James Version, which is what I grew up with, I think brings out the meaning even better in this verse. And so I want to bounce back to the King James Version, Mikey, uh, and follow this one. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, shoo, whatever that means, shoo thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. <laughs> After many days, in the third year, this is about 1,000 days later. In the third year, about 1,000 days later. And now, finally, look at, and it came to pass. That's the trigger phrase when God's timing is being completed, right? And it came to pass. God says, go. God moves in his perfect time. His perfect time. God's purpose for Elijah is finally, for, his purpose for Elijah being stuck there is finally completed, and now the purpose of Elijah's life will be fully fulfilled. Fulfilled. For 1,000 days, about, I'm just using a round figure, but for about 1,000 days, Elijah had been stuck. Stuck. Look what he went through. He starts out, he confronts King, King Ahab. He confronts him, and it looks like he's ready to rock and roll. He's ready to start a national ministry. He's probably thinking, here comes the revival that God has been promising. Now I'm going to have a really big church. Now I'm going to get on TV, start a TV ministry, right? Here it goes. Instead, he hits the ice, and he spins out, and he's stuck in a creek. All right, creek. He's stuck in the creek, living on bird food, bird feed, right? That's what he's doing. And then God really sticks it to him. And he's sent to live with a starving widow, with, a, with, a, with an orphan boy. And this is the starving widow is going to meet your needs. She's going to feed you. Wow. But God had a purpose, just like he has a purpose in our lives for letting us get stuck, for this stuck time and sticking it to us. <laughs> God has a purpose, 
Kareth, the brook at Kareth, which I called the creek, correct? All right, the brook, he learned what? Dependence, patience, prayer, obedience. Remember all the things we looked at? Go back and listen. And then he goes on to Zarephath with a widow, and that's where his faith grew. That's where his faith grew. His call was confirmed there by reviving the boy. But in the meantime, while he was waiting for that, he, impact, he made an impact. He made an impact on that widow, right, who, who's, who came to faith in the one true God because of his ministry. And he made an impact on the kid. How? He revived him. He brought him back to life. He revived him. He revived him. And God was preparing Elijah for the next step where he was going to revive the nation of Israel, at least the remnant. There was going to be a remnant revival through Elijah. He was preparing him for that. He was preparing him for the fight of his life. He was preparing him. In chapter 18, we're going to see that Elijah explodes on the scene. He explodes on the national scene after 1,000 days. I'm using the round figure once again. After 1,000 days of being stuck, he explodes. Wait till we see it. You all know the story. Fire from heaven. It's going to be awesome. Awesome, right? We'll take a few weeks on this one. But anyway, he explodes on the scene. He explodes. Because the pressure, the spiritual pressure that was building in those thousand days, God finally released the pressure and the power of his purpose through Elijah. I, when we were in college, we had this, we, had the, we used to have fun with this. The, the guys in the, who were in the science department would, would borrow uh, this tubing, this, uh, this like surgical tubing. You know what I'm talking about? That, that real thin rubber tubing. They would borrow about five feet of it at a time. Borrow. And uh, so they would, they would, then we'd bring it and we would tie off one end. And then somehow, I can't remember how we did it, but somehow we got enough water pressure out of the faucet. We would force water into this tubing, about five foot of tubing. And you know how when you blow up those long skinny balloons of blow-ups with air? We did that with water. Also, it would poof, you know, long five feet of water in this. And then we had this real good metal clip on the other end. And then we'd wrap it around ourselves because it was heavy and five feet. And often we'd put it under a coat or something so nobody could see it. And it'd come out of a sleeve. And then you, when you release that metal clip, the pressure is crazy. Boom! This one, shoot! It was crazy what it would do. It would just like douse people. Really, it was it was it was great. We had a lot of fun. They call it we call it Mariah's. I don't even know why we call them Mariah's, but we call them the Mariah. And one time, um, one time, one of my friends came into the room with a Mariah already loaded, locked and loaded, wrapped around. He's carrying it. He goes, "Can I use your window? There's some girls coming." And I was at the third floor, right near the entrance where the people came in. And that was my favorite spot for using these on people coming in. You, you had a crush on a girl, you. Got her wet. I don't know how that worked. But anyway, uh, so, so they said, so he, I said, sure, sure. So he opens my window, and, and, uh, he, and he had no screen because we used it so often. So he, uh, he said, oh, hey, and he called the girls, you know, Kathy, Susan. Hey, come on over here. I've got something I want to show you. And they said, they were over on the sidewalk a little ways away. He said, oh, okay, sure. And they come walking over, and he's like, this is going to be great. Like, this is going to be great. We were all excited. We're going to get these girls, yeah. And we're waiting and waiting, and they're taking their time. They're waiting, and he says, oh, they're almost here. And all of a sudden, kaboom, it imploded, you know. It, this had an aneurysm, you know, and, and, and it, it, it just ex- imploded all over my, he was right next to my desk. Everything was, not that I used it, but anyway, right next to my desk, all the books, everything was wet. I was soaked, he was soaked. It just imploded in the room while we were waiting. And often in our lives, 
When the pressure is building, God's getting ready to ex- explode us some way, to use us some way, to, to, to take that next step, to unleash his purpose. Often, though, while we're waiting, some people lose their patience. Nobody here, but some people lose their patience, and they implode. You know what I'm talking about? Implode. Oh, you know, you know, implode. We, and, and that's often what happens. And we waste what God, the pressure he was trying to, to build up. But that's what he was doing for Elijah. He was getting ready to, to explode him, not to implode him. But during this waiting time, too, there was a purpose. There was a purpose. The pressure was building for a purpose. But while that pressure is building, God had a, another purpose. God wanted him to impact those he was in contact with. He wanted to impact them. The widow and, and, the, widow and, the, and the son. Wanted to impact these people. And this is what I want to stress today is don't focus on getting unstuck. See, when we're stuck, we focus on getting unstuck. Don't focus on getting unstuck if that's where God wants us, where God wants us. Focus on what God is trying to do in and through you. Don't say, how can I get out of this? No. What is God trying to do in and through me in this, in this time? And the only way to do this, we have to focus on one day at a time after many days with elijah first kings 18 1 after many days it came to pass at what one day at a time what is god trying to do in and through me in my life and through my life what is he trying to do in and through me do you ever feel stuck you ever wonder what god is doing you ever wonder what is god doing he's probably doing a lot in and through us at that time in and through us. How is God preparing you this morning? How has he been preparing you lately? What is he doing in your life? How is God using you, using us, to make an impact right now, right where we are? That's the focus. How is he using us to make an impact right where we are? Even if Elijah's only purpose was that widow and son. That was enough. Yeah, he went out and did this whole big revival and blah, 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 and fire from heaven and, you know, all that stuff. It's awesome, but it didn't matter to God. If, if God's whole purpose was that widow's salvation and that boy's revival, that was enough. And that has to be enough for us. Whether God's going to move us forward to do more and bigger, bigger, and not, I'm not going to say better because it's not better. Do other things. It doesn't matter. Right where we are, it should be enough. Maybe our whole focus is our family. Right where we are, that's enough. If we can impact our family, the only thing you can take to heaven is your kids. That's it. Maybe it's a ministry. Why am I doing this ministry? Why doesn't God give me something bigger and better? To do? No, no. Even if that little ministry we're doing, it's enough. It, and, and honestly, we're not ready to move forward until that's enough, right? God can't use Elijah to take the next step until that was enough. Maybe it's that one person that God is calling us to impact. That's enough. That's enough if that's God's call on our life. And we never know, though, even though that it has to be enough and that should be our focus, but we also still never know what God might be preparing us for. But the key is... 
we won't be prepared unless we're handling our stuck time productively for the right way. So often when we're stuck, I talked about this, our whole focus is on getting out of being stuck instead of what is God trying to do in and through me. We, we get frustrated and we implode and instead of letting God explode us at the right time. But Elijah's 1,000 days teaches us that it's vital that we focus on one day at a time. Each day. Psalm 90 verse 12. Great verse. If you don't have to just memorize. Teach us to number our days. And uh, the one version. Teach us to number our days aright. That we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days aright. That's probably the King James once again. That we may gain a heart of wisdom. We, we like to count by yours. Don't we? We count by yours. But instead we need to learn to make each day count. Each day. Someone once said to me, the days are long, but the years are short. Isn't that true? They will, the years will fly by. But it's those days that we have to focus on, that we have to make count. Moms, make each day count. I know you're going, how many sandwiches have I made? How many diapers have I changed? But the impact, the impact, making that day count. Dads. Coming home tired, want to turn on the TV and veg? Are you kidding? How often do we turn on the TV and just veg out and waste that opportunity to have an impact on our kids? Our job? Same thing. As long as God has us there, we got to make that, that day count where God has us. Our ministries that we're involved, same thing. The team we're on, we're playing on a team, maybe we're frustrated with what's happening on our team. That's not the issue. The issue is making that time count. What is God trying to do in and through me? Making that time count. I was, uh, a couple days ago, we, were, we watched the movie for about the 10th time. We watched McFarlane USA. Anybody ever see McFarlane USA? Oh, we go home and watch it. It's a good one. I'm not going to tell too much of it, but it's a Disney, but it's a a true story. This guy's a football coach. He gets stuck coaching in his crummy little town and down on the border, and he's the only white guy in the town, you know, and they're all a bunch of, you know, migrants and and immigrants, and, and he didn't want to be there. It's poor, and, and they, 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 they're, just, they're all hopeless there, these poor, these poor people just picking fruit and picking almonds, and, you know, and, and that's all they did, and they just, had these, they just were really frustrated, and, and they just brought, it was really a negative situation. And he's a football coach, but he couldn't coach the football team, and so he, 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 coached, he started a cross-country team. Didn't know anything about running. But his whole focus was to start this team so he could get out of there. He wanted to do well and get out of there. Get another team farther up in California in a fancier place. And, but he starts this team, and these kids were tough. Tough kids. They worked from morning till, till night. They were farm kids. But anyway, they were uh, farm kids, and they were tough. And he starts this team, and, and, he, and the whole time he's still focused on getting out of there. It's a great story. Kevin Costner is in the movie. He's, he's, the, he's the actor in it. You saw it, right? And, but his whole focus was getting out of there. But in the process, he started to fall in love with these kids. He started to see them as, as kids who needed somebody. And needed something. Needed a dream. And I don't want to give the whole movie away, but 
But the result was amazing impact. Not just success as a team, but changing these kids' lives. And it changed this guy. He had the chance to leave and he didn't leave. It changed him for the better. And that's the key. We might be in a frustrating situation. We might be like, why am I here? And I can't wait to get out of here. And God, the whole time, God's waiting to change us and impact the people that we're around, that we're with. The whole, the whole, once again, watch the movie. You'll get it. You'll get it. It's just an amazing movie. One day at a time. One life at a time. Focus on what God is doing through you and in you. And I'm using, that's why I got stuck on verse 1 there. What he was doing in Elijah's life. He was getting ready. What he was doing in him. And, and we, we see this in Elijah's life that God used this stuck time to teach him some vital lessons. We saw that. You see, we all have a stubborn will. Every one of us has a stubborn will. And God allows us to get stuck because he's trying to work on our heart and work in our spirit and work in our life. He allows us to get stuck to teach us to listen to him and to listen to godly advice and to listen to people God has put in our life, to, to listen and to turn to God, to listen to him and to turn to him. So he puts us in these stuck times. And I'm going to come back to my VW and tell you the rest of the story. So, I didn't have a car. My brother had a car, but I wanted a car. I told my dad, I want my own car. And my dad's like, why don't you just drive your brother's car? He's going to college. I'm, no, I want my own car. I'm going to go find one. He's like, let me go with you. No, no, dad, I don't need your help. I don't need you. I'm going to, I'm going to go. You're going to try to talk me out of the car I want. I'm going to go back, pick out my car. So I went out looking for a car, and I found my yellow bug, my, my bug. And that wasn't just that. It was a super beetle. Super Beetle. You all see the movie out now with the Beetle Transformer? That was that kind of car. All right? And my dad said, I'm going to go pay for it. He says, let me, go, let me go with you to go finalize this. I want to see it first before you pay for it. No, Dad, I got this. You're going to try to talk me out of getting the car I want. So I went, wouldn't let him go with me. Uh, and it was yellow for a good reason. It was a lemon. But anyway, uh, I had already sold one of my cows to buy the car. It was an even trade. And, uh, and I get there, and I remember getting it from this guy, and I'm getting it ready to drive away, and he was explaining the car to me, and he, and he told me, now it's got an automatic clutch. Now what an automatic clutch, what he said was, you can either push down with your foot on the clutch and shift, or you can push down on the handle. It had a, you know, the hand, clutch on the handle, and, and shift by pushing down on the handle. That's, that's how you shift. But what I heard him say, that's what he did say, but what I heard him say was, I can either push down and on, the, uh, on the clutch on the floor or on the handle, or it'll shift for itself. Automatic clutch. That's what I heard him say. All right? That's what I heard him say. So, uh, first couple of days I shifted. I pushed down. I pushed on the handle. It was, it was kind of fun. But then I got bored with it. I'm like, I'm not going to use it anymore. I'm just going to let the automatic part take over. All right? Uh, so that's what I decided to do. Come back to that more in a minute. Uh, Right away, I got an accident. I was, I was right away, I, I was at a stoplight, and the car in front of me, I thought he was going, and I didn't see, I was distracted by somebody, but we won't go into that. But uh, I, I, uh, I ended up 
back ending the car in front of me. Now, it was nothing. If it was bumper to bumper, it would have been nothing because I just barely bumped it. But because I was so low, I didn't hit bumper to bumper. I went under the bumper and, and, and smashed my hood, you know, on the VW. And they're hollow. There's no engine there, so it's just like crumpled, right? The other guy wasn't even nothing. They, they said, oh, yeah, nothing. Got a little yellow paint, no big deal. They drove away. But I had this crumpled hood, right? And so I'm like, how am I going to fix this? Because I don't want to pay someone to fix the body. You're, where I grew up, you just didn't do that. So I, I remember I went and got a hammer, and I, and I opened it, and I started hammering, and I hammered it out, and I made it look pretty good. Uh, and then I wired it shut, because it wouldn't shut after that. I had to take a wire and, and wire it shut. Uh, so didn't look quite as good as it used to. And, uh, but the problem was the, sh the headlights were out of line now. There's nothing I could do about that, so I just drove it. But one light literally was shining straight up. <laughs> and the other one was shining straight into people's eyes as they came toward me. And I'll never forget when I started driving at night after that. I'll, I was driving and all of a sudden, I was, uh, where I live, there's no street lights. There was no street lights. But I went, it was in, like in one of the local towns. And as I was driving, one of the street lights went out. I'm like, oh my goodness, I did that. Because this light was shining and was hitting those, you know, light sensitive, the sensors. And, and so I would drive through the town trying to put all the lights out. They would blink out, blink out, blink out. That was so much fun. And then I'd be driving down the road and, and the car coming at me would blink their lights at me. Like, hey, turn on your brights. And I'm like, oh, let me show you something. And I hit the bright and then he'd get that one spotlight in their face. And you know, I taught them not to blink at me. So, uh, so I couldn't do anything about that. Uh, and then, though, then my car got loud. It got really loud. And it just would be this loud whining. It got really loud whining. Everybody knew I was, was coming from a long distance away. They could all hear me. they say, oh, I knew you were coming. I could hear you. Yeah? And, and, and I started burning belts and oil at a very quick, really alarming rate. The belts would burn off. I'd have to... Go into the house and call my dad. Could you bring me a belt? You know, and he's like, something's not right. Dad, leave me alone. It's a super beetle. That's why it's burning belts in oil, you know. I, I, leave me alone. Leave my car alone. He's always picking on me in my car, right? <laughs> I don't know what he had against my car. So, right? so uh, it's because it's a super beetle. And, but it kept burning this oil. And I never forget, I was about seven miles from home. Uh, Paul and Ellie know the spot. It was up past your grandparents' farm when you go, uh, up that hill, and there's a one-lane bridge, and then it's a steep hill. I, you, know, that, you know what I'm talking about? They know what I'm talking about. And, and I, I was coming down that way, and I'll, uh, what's that road called? Day Road. Day Road. It's up on Day Road, up the top, and my oil light came on. Now, I know when the oil light comes on, the, you're supposed to, you know, the driver's dead teacher said, shut off the car right away. But I was like, it's only seven miles. I can make it, you know? And I never forget, I hit the gas down that hill, zooming down, and at the bottom is this one-lane bridge. And I'm like, I gotta get over, I gotta get there. And I didn't even slow down. I shot up on this one-lane bridge, and halfway across was another car on a one-lane bridge. And I'll never forget the look on their face. They were like, what? <laughs> and, and I didn't even slow down. I just scooted over with my little super beetle, and I got right by them. And, and I'm sure they were like, <gasps> yeah. I, I, we, I passed them on a one-lane bridge. I had no choice. I'm going fit, you know, fast. You know, zoom. And, and I'm, I get over that bridge, and I kept on going. I'm like, yes, God's helping me. You know, I'm going to get home. And the car seized up stop. I'm right in front of another house, and I walk up to the house, and I knock on the door. <laughs> 
I said my oil light came on in the car stop. He goes, I'll help you out, kid. You know, there's an older guy and he's nice. Everybody's nice for I grew up. I'll help you out to do anything for you. He comes out here. It was before cell phones, obviously. He comes out with the oil. He says, I go, what do you think's going to happen? He goes, well, I'm going to put the oil in the car. And one of two things. You turn on the car, it's either going to start or it's not going to start. And you're going to need a new car. I said, oh, please, please, my super beetle. So he pours in the oil. I started, started up. I got home. It was great. I got home, but it kept burning oil, burning oil. Short time later, right by my house, about a quarter mile from the house, the oil started shooting out. I think I blew a gasket. I don't know, but, but I ran out of oil again. So one of my friends had a car, a little Datsun. I said, hey, come on over. Help me pull my car. So he came over, and I got the chain from the farm, and he hooked it up to his car and then to my bumper. And I said, tow me home. But I... He brought another friend, Len. So it was Eric and Len, two of my really good friends. And uh, Eric was a really good driver, but Len, not so good. But he was driving my car. He said, when we get to the farm, we get in the driveway, I'm going to jump out and I'm going to say, stop. When I say stop, ease on the brakes together and ease on the brakes and that'll be that. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll stop the cars. So we get to the end, we pulled into the driveway. He's pulling me. I'm in the yellow buggy with, with Len. And I said, okay, get ready. I jumped out. He said, stop. I read the window. I said, stop. Eric eased on the brake, and Len slammed on the brake. And my bumper went, went like, boom, into an arrow shape, arrow shape. And I'm like, no, what am I going to do? And I was like, what am I going to do? Because I'm not going to pay someone to fix my bumper now. So, so I asked around and came up with a plan. Um, I decided to drive it into a tree to, even, to, to straighten the bumper out, right? And my dad's watching this whole crazy thing, right? Yeah. And he just didn't want me driving to the barn because, you know, the cement, you know, you don't want to, you know. And, but I, I was told driving to a tree because it's softer, it won't damage the bumper. Not that I cared about, you know. So on our feet, we had this old box alder tree out there. And I remember just driving into the tree slowly and nothing happened. Sped up a little more, nothing happened. Then I sped up and I got going so fast enough. So I worked, boom, there were no airbags in the VW. So I could do this. I remember hitting it really hard one time and finally, I got out. Yeah, it looks pretty good. It was straight. You know, so, uh, so uh, <laughs> yes, shape, straight. Uh, so so uh, I finally got it so I could, you know, drive it again, you know, and, and the bumper didn't look so bad. Uh, but, but I still couldn't get it to drive fast anymore. It wouldn't drive fast any longer. I couldn't get it really over 45. Once in a while, if I had a long straightaway, I'd get up to 50, but it just took so long to get it to go from 10 to 20, it would not, would not go fast. And, and it took so long, and it was so loud. And finally, my dad, one day, I was pulling out of the driveway. He said, Chuck, let me ride in your car. I want to see what's going on. He had had enough. And finally, I had had enough, too. All those times, he said, no, Dad, no, Dad, no, Dad. I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to listen to you. I would not listen. I was finally frustrated enough with what was going on with my car. I said, okay, get in the car. So, okay, let's go. And I remember pulling out of the driveway onto the road and started going down the road. It's not like I was in a tank. You know, you ever see the Fury movie, you know, in the tank, you know. And my dad said, shift the car. I go, what? I couldn't even hear. I remember he, and he yelled, at me. I remember he going, shift the car. You know, he's sitting right next to me in a VW, right? And I'm like, I said, I don't have to. He goes, what? I go, it's an automatic clutch. He goes, Stop the car! <laughs> I stopped the car. It was really quiet now, but my dad was still shouting. And he let me have it. 
He goes, you still need to shift the car. You, What are you doing? You've been stuck in first gear for the last two months driving this car. No wonder you have all these problems, you know. And, oh, boy. But, but I listen to my dad now. Because I was, my car was a mess. It was a mess. And I listened to him. And I shifted it. And it was amazing. It was quiet. And it went fast. And it went the right, everything was great. I couldn't believe it was amazing driving my car. But it was all danged up. That car was a mess. You can imagine what it looked like. It was a mess because I hadn't listened to him from the start. But, but you're all laughing at me now. But don't we do the same thing spiritually? We do the same thing. We, we live life our way. We do it our way. And, and no matter what anybody says to us, we don't listen because we're going to do it our way, right? And, and God lets us spin our wheels in life. He lets us get all dinged up. We got all kinds of spiritual scars, right? We all know what I'm saying. We all, we're all do, we all do this. We all have these scars. And finally, God knows when we've had enough. He knows when we're going to finally listen. And he speaks into our life when we're ready to listen. When we say, okay, I'm going to open the door. God, Father, sit, sit down next to me. I'm ready to listen to you. I'm ready to listen to whoever you're sending into my life. He steps in and we finally move forward. The only question is how many scars are we going to have in the meantime? How dinged up is our life going to be? You know what I'm talking about? How is God speaking to us today? Maybe we're stuck because God's trying to get us to listen. Maybe he's trying to get us to listen to something. Maybe we're stuck because we're right where God wants us. We're not going to have a listening problem. We're right where God wants us because he's working in our hearts and in our lives. Maybe that's the case. Maybe we're stuck because we're right where God wants us because he wants us to touch someone else's life. He wants us to help someone else revive. He wants us to help someone else find faith in God. He wants to help us do that. Maybe we're stuck because we're not a Christian yet. We've never surrendered our life to Jesus Christ yet. Maybe we're stuck because God is trying to bring us to our knees. And to the cross of Jesus Christ. And a place of full surrender to Jesus. Where are we today? Let's pray. How is God speaking to us? How is God trying to get us to listen? Maybe we're stuck because he's trying to work in our life. There's, there's nothing wrong. He's just trying to grow us spiritually in grace. Maybe we're stuck somewhere just like that coach because he wants us to impact. Someone. Who have we been ignoring in our stuckness that God is trying to open our eyes to? 
maybe you're here today while we're all praying about these things. Maybe you're here today and you are stuck because God is trying to bring you to the cross of Jesus Christ, to the end of self, to put your faith in Jesus and give your life to him. Maybe he's calling you to do that right now. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever come to the cross of Jesus Christ and put your faith in him? You can do that right now. God, I'm tired of fighting you. I'm tired of taking a beating from the world and from sin and from the devil. I want to walk away from my old life, my sinful life. I believe Jesus died on the cross to break sin's power. To set me free. I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life to you, God. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, something amazing has just happened. God has climbed into your damaged life. And he's going to turn that wreck into something beautiful. He's going to transform your life into something beautiful. If you've prayed that prayer of faith, hey, I wanted to encourage you to let somebody know. Maybe you fill out the card in the bulletin or you tell a friend or family member you're here with or grab me on the way out or shoot me a text or email. Let somebody know so we can be, encourage you and help you grow spiritually. Father, you know what you're trying to do in each one of our lives. I pray that we would be surrendered daily. And I pray that you would use us, not just working in us, but also working through us to touch many other people with the love of Jesus Christ. Please open our eyes to these things, Father, through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.